everyone's priorities and values have shifted, especially due to the COVID situation and the pandemic. That's another reason people are thinking about switching jobs or careers. It's because, for example, like if family's your number one value and you've been in a job that keeps you away from your family, that's not going to make you feel fulfilled. (laughs) So people want more flexibility these days. And I explain to people too, like you don't have to pick one thing. You can have multiple activities going on that add up to a career. Your career doesn't have to be a job title. You know, it can be something that that you create from, from different things that light you up inside. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain. And together, we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Why, hello there. It's your gal Carly over here. I am so happy that we are gathering around the messy and magnificent fire together today. So if you know me, then you know that I love to sink my work when possible to the natural rhythms of nature. Now, I don't do that perfectly, but what I mean when I say that is if it's cold and dark outside and my body's reaction to that is to want to curl up and huddle, I've learned to plan my work around that so that I'm doing the more internal work during the colder times and darker times of year here in the Northern Hemisphere. And when it's summer and I've got more energy, well, then that's when I'm more out in the world and everything in between. And as we look at the way nature has seasons, the way our business and our health and our relationships all have their own cycles and rhythms, I'm reminded that there will always be beginnings and middles and ends. Now, some changes start quietly. They start when you've got that thought or an idea or a sense within yourself that it's time for something to shift. Maybe that shows up for you in your career and you think, you know, been here for a long time. I've enjoyed this work and (laughs) maybe this dynamic isn't totally fulfilling me anymore. Maybe this boss is never really going to be able to treat me respectfully. Or maybe you see it in a relationship. Like, hey, this relationship was great to go out with tea with the girls once a week, but I'm not getting fueled by it in the same way. Or maybe our priorities or the way we are has shifted here a little bit. And so there's this kind of gentle unfurling, this gradual small choices that are made in order to change that, right? Maybe you begin to think about working in a different way or explore other job opportunities or going back to school for additional education. But other changes, they happen with a sudden bang, right? (laughs) By choice or not, maybe you chose it or you didn't, but suddenly a significant decision needs to be made, even if you don't feel entirely ready for them. Now, the other day, this came up when I was working with a group of corporate clients. There's four women in a leadership role together. They and a couple other people own a company that's worth about 130 something million dollars and oversees a few hundred employees. So a significant organization. And as they make some changes in their leadership team, they've brought me in there to help navigate this territory. And I asked them, hey, in this moment of transition that you're all navigating here, who are you? at your best. Like during a moment of change, 
Who are you at your best? And I'm asking you that same question right now. Now, these four women gave four entirely different answers. One dove in right away and she said, I love change. (laughs) It like sparks something within me. I can't stand when things are monotonous. So the moment there's change, I get really excited about researching all the new potential options and I dive into research. So at my best during a moment of change, I am excited and ready to research what's possible next. Somebody else said, you know what? I hate change. I really prefer when things are predictable. So at my best during change, I start to map out what is clear so that even if some areas are up in the air, I can look at the areas in my life that are clear and dependable (laughs) and it helps me feel more balanced. One other example somebody said was, you know, I'm only okay with change. She's like, I can like handle some changes better than other changes. At my best, I remind myself to go with the flow. I remind myself to just keep on breathing, even when I'm tempted to just hide underneath the covers. And I love how their answers were entirely varied. And I bet yours would be unique to you too. And I bet that at any given moment, you find yourself in one area in the beginning, perhaps some areas in the middle, and maybe something is ending. And so I wanted to bring some conversation forward around that, about getting comfortable, even when the discomfort of change is in the room. And so I reached out to Caroline Castiron. She is a career and life coach who helps people go from soul-sucking jobs to career fulfillment. (laughs) Those are her words, and I love them. She is the founder of The Corporate Escape Artist, and she made the leap to entrepreneurship after a successful 25-year corporate career and has never looked back. So prior to running the corporate escape artist, she held executive leadership roles in small tech firms all the way up to some Fortune 500 companies, including Dell and Sony and other organizations you've heard of. And she's been an ongoing contributor to Forbes and Thrive Global. You'll see her work in the New York Times and Entrepreneur and Inc. and Success Magazine. But one of the many things I appreciate about Caroline is her passion for helping clients balance both the intellectual components that are required to make good decisions and their intuitive or felt sense that they have about a situation. I highly recommend you go checking out her website, thecorporateescapeartist.com. And right here in the show notes, wherever you're tuning in, I'll put links to other ways to connect with Carolyn. But if you find yourself in the middle of a story, meaning having to make some decisions because one area of your career or health or relationships is shifting, by choice or not, this is the episode for you. Let's talk about how we navigate forward even when things are messy or unclear. What in your head or your heart really wants to be heard right now? Well, I like to talk about, I I think we, especially as women, need to talk more about, well, the messy things, which goes right in line with your podcast, which is like things that seem like the taboo stuff, like menopause and menstruating and hormones and childbirth, all the all the things that are so normal and so beautiful. And a lot of times, especially in terms of career, people don't want to talk about, you know, breastfeeding. You know, these are real things that women have to deal with on a daily basis. And it's things that companies out there should care about. Half of the people working out there are women. So it's these are things that I'm passionate. Mental health. That's another one that's been coming up recently with the Olympics and 
you know, the pandemic is coming to the forefront. People have been isolated for so long. And that's one that is dear to my heart because I had a family member who took their own life and didn't have the help. You didn't have, you know, people didn't really understand mental health back then. So that's another thing that that I'm passionate about on, on many different levels. So just being heard in that regard, I think is important, especially for women. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that we're getting to talk today. You are speaking my, my language. We talk a lot here about, you know, how we're part of nature, right? And women, I mean, all people have hormonal cycles, you know, and especially women have hormonal cycles. And if we engage with them, if we honor the information our body's giving us, and we engage with it, not only does it not get in the way of work, it really influences and supports our work in the world. And you giving voice to the idea that the traditional corporate model has not included that, I think is really, really powerful. It's almost as if we're supposed to be separate. We're supposed to be a a work self and a home self, or a work self and a take care of your body self. And we're whole beings. There is no such thing as those two separate things. So I want to just make sure we have lots of space for that in today's conversation. When I started coaching, I was doing live Facebook videos. And I was, I would remember like in the beginning, I was so freaked out by it. Like, oh my God, I'm live. Like, and then maybe one or two people tuned in, you know, in the be- and you're all stressed out. Like, okay, it's not going to be a hundred or 10,000, <laughs> you know, and then with practice, and that's what I tell them to, you know, get outside their comfort zone. It's like, just practice. It's not that, it's really not as scary as it seems. And everybody gets freaked. Yeah, that's another thing you don't realize. Like everybody gets freaked out. They just seem like they have it all together because they've done it a million times, you know, and you're used to it and you've been able to, you know, we talk about overcoming fears, but I like to talk about just getting comfortable with the fear being there because it's never really, you, you don't overcome it. You just control it and work with it and see it as a good thing. Like um, I tell people, hey, if you're thinking of a changing careers and you're scared, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, people automatically think fear, bad, stay away. It could be that you're pushing yourself in a new direction and, and that's a positive thing. I love that kind of that mindset of welcoming fear to the table. Like, okay, hey, you're here. What is it you want me to know? Yeah. Yeah. Like the driving analogy, like you put fear in the back seat and then you just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Who was it? Elizabeth Gilbert had a great thing about that. And was that big magic? She talked about that. She's like, fear is going to be in the car. It just doesn't get to pick the radio station. Like it goes in the back seat and doesn't get to drive. Like, yeah. Oh, I love that, Karen. I love that. I love what you said about getting comfortable with the fact that fear, it's just part of it. Yeah, getting comfortable with feeling scared. Because even if you want to do something really badly, and I'll use myself again as the example, like starting my coaching business was really scary. Creating a website and having my face plastered all over the place. I was like, oh my God, are people going to think I'm like an egomaniac? You know, like it's just so <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, having, we had a photo shoot for some of that stuff. So, because, you know, I wanted it to look professional. And, and I was stressed for weeks before that because, I don't do photo shoots like that. So I was like, oh my God, I'm, <laughs> I'm a wreck. You know, it's like stuff like that, but you get through it because because you want to get to the other side and you know you're doing it because you're passionate about it. And that's what I keep reiterating to people is like, and I know passion is thrown out there a lot, 
passion and meaning, you know, doing something that you, you're really excited about, they, they get you excited to get up every morning because otherwise what's the point, you know, and that's what gets you through the ups and downs each day. Well, that was going to be my next question. And really, we could we could officially start the interview if you're okay, because I think you just tapped into something really powerful there. When, Like, I just so appreciate your authenticity and your honesty about the experience of making that transition. I can deeply relate to everything you just said. Like, you know, that who am I to be doing this voice right in the back of my brain? Or even some people I know thinking, who are you to be doing this? And then, as you said, and then you, you said, you know, we just kind of get through it because we're passionate about it or it brings us meaning. And I'm so curious for you, Carolyn, we always hear those before and after stories of I had this one job and then I left it and I did this other thing, but there's a middle there, right? Like something happens in that middle. And I'm curious for you and your experience, what allowed you to navigate that potentially messy middle where you're feeling all those feels, you're doing the photo shoot, you're uncomfortable. What do you think lets you continue onward, even if it's uncomfortable? Yeah, well, I, I was really, well, and I am obviously really passionate about helping people find fulfillment, really. I mean, on a, on a, at a high level, finding that thing that really gets them excited, lights them up inside and letting people know that you don't have to settle. You don't have to be stuck in a cubicle all day doing a job that you hate. It is possible to have both. And people seem to always think it's an either or, like life has to be a struggle. And I was talking to this, I have my own coach. So I, I was talking to her the other day about how it's not supposed to be a constant struggle. It's like you're supposed to be able to put your feet downstream and just go with the flow, you know? I learned that like with my writing, when I don't overthink it, the topics or whatever, and I just let it flow, it's so much better. I get a better response and like everything is just better. Oh my gosh. Tell I want to know more about that because I'm thinking for anybody listening who's going, yeah, I, of course I want it to be easier. Or of course I want it to feel like flow. This is so hard. And I want to be in that flow state. What's your gateway to entering that flow state? If you're feeling like something's tricky or challenging, like what allows you when you're writing to get into that zone in the first place? You know, I like to use the phrase letting go. And I think we need to let go a lot in our lives. You know, letting, like we talked about letting go of fear, letting go of people's perceptions of us, letting go of the stigma around some of those topics we mentioned earlier, mental health and, you know, women's issues and things like that, and getting into that creative state. So just, yeah, getting it, getting into the flow and finding that quiet time. That's one of the hardest things I think these days is with technology, you know, we all have like the cell phone, the laptop, the the TV, everyone, you know, it's either Netflix or somebody texting us or Facebook Messenger. Yeah, you know, it's like TikTok, right. like what, you know, pick one. <laughs> Meditation is something I recommend and something that even I'm trying to consistently do in my life because that helps me find that quiet space, especially in the morning. It's a nice way to kind of start your day rather than like what most of us do, like, grabbing that cup of coffee and the cell phone and checking your emails, you know, like instead of diving right into your day, just starting it out in a quiet way and then like setting an intention for the day. What's today going to look like? Because we all tend to be so reactive in our lives. Emails, another great example. We've got emails bombarding us all day <laughs> that we're reacting to. So, you know, being able to set, set those boundaries. 
let me see if I'm getting that right. It sounds like for you, the combination is starting with quiet and setting intention. You remind me, I just got back from an, I take a residency a couple times a year and I just did an artist residency for a week and with the same group of, of amazing women. But this year was the first year where we tried something new where the first 75 minutes in the morning, we didn't speak at all to one another, just like everyone walked in in silence and you set up your space and you start to think about what you're going to do. And you might journal or you might just dive right into your project, whatever it is. But there we are working together silently. And it was a, it was an experiment. We're thinking we'll either love it or we'll hate it. This thing could totally bomb. And it was, it was one of the highlights, I think, for most of us of this beautiful, luxurious amount of time. I mean, 75 minutes was a real gift to have. And so when you talk about starting with quiet and the intentionality behind the way we go with our days. So before we start responding to other people, we're tapping in to where we are. That's powerful, Carolyn. Yeah. What I want people to know is you create your life. Your life doesn't just happen to you. You can wake up today and make your life totally different than it has been for the past however many years. Every day we get a new a new day, a new chance to do whatever you want to do. It's just a matter of figuring out what that is and then make, establishing a plan to get there and breaking it down into small manageable chunks because that's where people get overwhelmed is they see the big goal but it's like oh my god how am I going to get there right well would you be willing to share a little bit about that process because I know once upon a time you held executive leadership roles at some big companies that we've all heard of and now you're the corporate escape artist I mean that's a huge transition right there and so I'm so (laughs) curious what got you from working within a corporate environment to not just making a change yourself, but now being the facilitator that helps other people make the change. What helped you know, oh, this could be different? It took a long time. And that's one of the reasons I am a coach is because I want to help people get there quicker with with somebody's help because I didn't know who to reach out to for help. I wanted to be my own boss for a long time, but I didn't know what to do or how to get there. And I came up with all those excuses that everybody does. I'm too old. It's not the right time. I don't have the money. What about health insurance? You know, all these silly things that now just seem so they're big, especially if you have a family, obviously, but they're definitely manageable and things that you can work through. Or what are people going to think? Or, gosh, I've invested all this time in this marketing career. Am I just throwing all that away to start from scratch? So there's all these little voices that pop up. And then what happens is what I like to call the status quo was worse than the thought of change. Uh. And I just reached the point and the universe helps us. So we, I always try to see the positive out of what seems to be a negative situation. So I was with a company that was a smaller company. When I joined, I said, do you think you might be selling the company anytime soon? And they were like, well, you know, I don't think so. Well, of course, six months later, that's what happened. (laughs) So meanwhile, I was already starting this journey around what do I want to do? And I actually found my own coach. And that's when I sort of, I call it my breakthrough. You know, that's when I decided, okay, this is what I want to do. Looked at coaching certification programs. That's what kind of kicked it off for me. And then everything just kind of came together. I was told, you know, my position was eliminated, which was actually a blessing because I had that six months to really focus on my, on my coaching education, getting myself mentally prepared 
you mentioned the silence thing. I went on a silent retreat, which was actually days of silence, which was really weird. I'd never been on anything like that before. And it was, it was fun. It was very introspective and it was a nice way to kind of kick off that journey for me. So I recommend that to people too, is like, whether it's something like that or some other type of retreat, whether you're hiking in nature or whatever speaks to you, you know, it's nice to, even if it's just a few days to get away, because that's where you have those aha moments. You know, I always tell people like, you know, when you're, it seems like when you're on vacation, you always, you have all these thoughts like, oh yeah, like I should do this or I should change that. And it's because you're away from your day-to-day environment where we're not just doing, doing, doing all the time. Or for a lot of people, it's like when they're on a plane, because you get that quiet time, you're away from, maybe away from the family or, you know, you're by yourself with your earphones on and you're just like, you know, you get to process things in that quiet space. And so trying to find that quiet time in our daily life, because obviously we can't just count on vacations and being on a plane. I really appreciate that, that you're making it doable and approachable, that not everybody can take an eat, love, pray year, or it may not be feasible this week to hop on a plane or whatever it is. But the idea that these small moments that we can build in, my experiences, they add up too. you know, one minute of quiet can be effective, right? And then the next day, two minutes, the next day, three minutes. And so as a corporate escape artist, I'm so curious for you because we've had this common interest in, in boundaries. How are boundaries related to making career changes? Like, where do you see that, that cropping up for you or for the folks you work with? Where is the connection there? Well, there's a lot of people that struggle with, especially now, you know, the, the current work situation, people are doing two and three and four people's jobs. They're afraid of losing their job if they don't take every project that comes along. Here's an example. I talked to a lady the other day who she's a a mom with a two-year-old. She's the main breadwinner. She's working 60 hours a week for a company that happens to have a toxic culture and her mental and physical health is suffering. So it's no surprise that, you know, she's thinking about maybe starting a business or doing something on her own because she's like, hey, if I'm going to work all these hours, I might as well be doing something that I get, can get excited about and that gives me the flexibility time-wise to you know, arrange my schedule so I can be with my family more. So the, the boundaries come into play during that transition time too, because you need to have that time to think about, okay, what's the next? Because very few people can just like say, okay, today I'm quitting. I'm going to take a year and figure out what I want to do. So you're trying to figure that out in the midst of all this craziness that that you're in. And so you have to establish boundaries. Usually it's with your manager in terms of talking about, okay, this is what's on my plate and I can't manage all of it. You need to help me prioritize X, Y, and Z and also coming to them with solutions. So it doesn't seem like you're just coming to them with problems and complaining about burnout and this and that, because probably, you know, they're experiencing the same thing. But, you know, being able to have those conversations and not feel like you just have to smile and say, okay, you know, because ultimately it's going to affect your work too. And that's what I tell people that they should explain to them, you know, their manager. It's like, well, if I, if you give me one more project, then these other things are going to suffer. It's really, it's not as much 
about you, but having the conversation framed in terms of how it's affecting the company and, and performance and things like that. Oh, I love that. You're reminding me of, we have a woman right now in the Boundary Academy. She's a lawyer. She's been a lawyer for a little while and the workload is way above, you know, the amount of hours she agreed. She's also, a, she happens to be a single mom of a young, of a young child. And, and she's been decided to become more intentional about, you know, her time and the way she's structuring. And she started to make some gentle boundaries. And that was really scary at first, but she started to get feedback from some of her clients saying, you are the hardest worker I know. Your work is outstanding. And she comes to the group and she's like, I can only share this with you guys, but I'm working less than I've ever worked before. And I'm getting more praise. Like people yeah. like, and that's so the there opposite, right? They're thinking I'm a harder worker. And she's like, I'm just being a better worker because exactly. my brain is getting the time it needs to reset, right? And so it kind of flips that whole fear on its head. You know, that fear of, if I don't put in the extra hours, then the work won't be as good. And what we're noticing is, you know, we all have a, a, a maximum capacity. We all have a threshold by which where the opposite begins to happen, right? Where we can put in a certain amount of hours and then the work efficiency starts to go down there. Yeah. And one trick is when somebody asks you something or to do something, just pause for a second because we have a tendency to just say yes to everything. Yes. <laughs> and just practice pausing and practice in small ways, like setting boundaries. Saying no is one way to set a boundary. So practice saying no in, in small ways in your life. Like the lady at the retail store is like, hey, do you want this credit card? <laughs> <You> know, or, <laughs> or whatever situation it might be, like just practice saying no in those low risk situations and take time to respond and practice saying, let me think about that and I'll get back to you. And that gives you some time to process and think about, do you want to do this? Can you, or how should I respond? Absolutely. I think that, I think that's huge. And when you talk about low risk scenarios, even setting boundaries with ourselves is a great place to practice that. Like all speaking for myself, during COVID, I just want to eat all night long. Like this is one thing I'm noticing about my body's response to what I'm guessing is, you know, the stress or the, the unknown of COVID is I just want to snack all night long, right? And so I'm having conversations with myself around boundaries around that. A, I'm letting myself do more of that than ever before guilt-free, but also I'm starting to ask myself questions. And, and one thing I'll do is say, okay, you're craving cookies. Noted, Carly wait five minutes and see if you're still craving cookies, right? And it's a small boundary. It's you're just going to wait five minutes. If you're still craving cookies, then you'll see if you can wait another five or if you just really need some cookies, right? Like what's, but you know, just start even with self, even before we start with other people. I think that's such a beautiful way of how do I build in the pause? How do I build in the pause? And that goes back to your earlier, you know, invitation to us around starting with quiet. When you describe pausing like that, even with another person, okay, I hear you. Let me um, let me get back to you in a moment. Let me look at my calendar. Let me see what's possible. There's the space for intention again, the intention. And, and I know a question I've been asking myself lately, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this is, what do I have resource for right now? Mm -hmm. like, do I have the resources for this right now? And having a little bit of pause is enough for me to ask that question. Do I have the resource for taking a phone call with this person or taking on this project or I don't know, cleaning out the basement. I mean, any, anything like, do I actually have the resources for this? And if not, what needs to happen here? Do I need to bolster my resources or do I need to decline this? Right. But just being a little bit more honest with, with self first 
Mm -hmm. Do I have resource for this? Especially in the face of, of COVID. And I'm sure you notice this. Everyone's priorities and values have shifted, especially due to this, the COVID situation and the pandemic. And that's another reason people are thinking about switching jobs or careers. It's because, for example, like if family's number one and your number one value and you've been in a job that keeps you away from your family for extended periods of time, that's not going to make you feel fulfilled <laughs> or happy. So people want more flexibility these days. They want to be able to create, you know, I, and I explain to people too, like, you don't have to pick one thing. You can have a, you can have multiple streams of activities going on that add up to a career. Your career doesn't have to be a job title. You know, it can be something that, that you create from, from different things that light you up inside. Are you seeing more, you know, with, with the pandemic and with the shifts and companies, are you seeing more people looking to make a change in their career path or looking to leave maybe a job they've had for a while? Absolutely. Absolutely. This episode is brought to you by the Boundary Academy. 15 years of coaching thousands of women has taught me that it doesn't matter how good our plans, our intentions are, our network, or even our access to external resources. If we don't have the boundaries we need to honor what we care about, we will always struggle with a lack of time or energy or money or downright satisfaction. You see, women who have thriving, healthy careers and relationships know that boundaries aren't just something nice you get to later. There's something you practice gently now so that you have the later that you want. So you can get free access to the recording of the Boundaries Brunch we did right before the Boundary Academy opened. There's a link to it in the show notes wherever you're listening or head on over to carlyfane.com. And in this 45-minute class, you're going to learn the three mindsets that women with healthy boundaries already know and live into, plus lots of rich, candid conversation with thought leaders in the field of boundaries and women who are just getting started. There's nothing for sale in there. Just rich content you're not going to get anywhere else. Because that hunch you're meant to be doing something meaningful and enjoyable with your life and career, it's right. I hope you'll join me and women from around the world that are making having boundaries oh so doable. And so what's the first step? Like, what's the guidance you offer somebody who's, who's thinking, okay, I know I want to make a change. I have no idea what that change should be yet. <laughs> or it feels, you know, to your early point, it feels insurmountable. Where do you begin that process of figuring out what a change might look like? Yeah. Well, what a lot of people do first is they'll like update their resume, update their LinkedIn, but you can't do that if you don't really know what it is you want to do because the resume and LinkedIn are going to reflect, you know, they're going to position you to get that, whatever that job is. And a lot of times they don't know. So they, they come to me after they've been sort of scanning job postings and like, well, I could do this, I could do that. But the thing is, it's not about what you can do. It's about what you want to do and what you're good at. So it's that intersection of the things that you enjoy and are good at. And that's what you have to get to. It's like, of course, there's tons of, you know, I work with people who are super talented. There's tons of things they could do, 
But is that like what you want to do for the next however many years? Is that going to get you excited every day to get up in the morning? So that's the question. And again, for some people, they think that it's an either or like, oh, can I really like enjoy my work? And sometimes it's just what you grew up seeing, perhaps like when I so I'm a first generation American. So I grew up seeing people like work really hard. Yes, they enjoyed their work, but it wasn't it wasn't a situation of like, follow your dream, you know, because we, <laughs> we had to get food on the table and, you know, to be able to send me like good schools and, and all that kind of thing. So that's the model I grew up with was like this strong work ethic, which is great, but I didn't have the the model of like that you can like do something that you can be super passionate about and be able to to do all these other things. That makes so much sense to me. And you're reminding me, so I was rereading some of your articles in Forbes today, and you had a great piece about transitioning from manager to leader. And the second I wrote, I read that, I thought immediately about that similar work that I get to do with some of my clients, but even outside of running your own company, the transition from just managing your days to leading your days, just as a human being, that change. And it is, you describe, you know, the beautiful work ethic that you're parents had and they instilled in you because that was what was required in order to make roots in a new country, right? So to get that foundation going, you had a line in there. See if I can quote it correctly. I know I've got it. The skills that got you where you are may not be the ones you need to get to the next level. And that hit me strongly. And I I thought, absolutely, because there's there's something to be said for a little hustle in the beginning sometimes, or just winging it and figuring out as you go. And maybe you do have to put in a few extra hours or juggle the job that makes you money while you're developing the, the new job you want. But that work around the clock thing or constantly being and responding to other people's desires thing does cause a plateauing there, right? Of, well, now I'm stuck in, in that cycle. And I'm so curious for you, how do you help folks who are making the shift from just managing their day, <laughs> just getting through their day? To really beginning to lead and answer the question, here's what I really want, or here's what I really enjoy. What helps them start to make that change? Self-awareness is, if you don't know yourself, if you don't know, some people don't even, they've been in these jobs for so long in these careers that they were never really passionate about. So many of us fall into a career, right? Like, I mean, I was in college. I didn't know what I wanted to do at that age. I picked marketing because I didn't like finance or accounting. You know, those were like my three options in the business school. And I thought it would be creative, you know, but I I didn't really like dig deep into like, this is what I wanted, you know, and then you get the one job that leads to the next one and the next one. And then before you know it, you're a VP of marketing, looking at the four walls of your office going like, is this it? Is this what I am going to be doing for the rest of my life? Because we're all supposedly working towards retirement, but you got to enjoy the the journey because the reality is we don't know how long this journey is going to last for one thing. And there's never an end goal, you know, like we think there is like, oh, if I make this amount of money, like then I'm going to feel fulfilled. But then when you get there, it's like, well, what's the, you got to have another, another goal there. And obviously you want to have goals beyond just, you know, money. It's got to be something that fills you up. But 
did I, did I ramble there? (laughs) Not at all. I'm right there with you on my wheels are turning because I'm thinking about, you know, your passion for mental health and your passion for these, you know, these messy conversations that women really need or want to be having. And I'm thinking about when you say self-awareness, I don't think women culturally have been given the space to have self-awareness. I think all of us, regardless of gender identity, can probably relate to some element of what you're saying of, well, the next step is supposed to be this, so I do that. I'm supposed to graduate high school, and then I'm supposed to go into a trade, or I'm supposed to go to college, and then I'm supposed to get a job or get my master's, or I'm supposed to get married, or whatever the supposed to is. Or this is just the obvious next step, the low-hanging fruit. I've done this thing, so now I go do that thing. And and I know you talk a lot about you know this idea of pausing and and being intentional here. And I'm thinking about that. And you know, can we schedule self-awareness moments just like we would schedule anything else? Yeah, that's how I work with my clients. It's like getting to know yourself better. Just answering. You know, when when I get to work with clients, we start off with this big sort of input document where I ask them all sorts of things about themselves to really trigger what are those things that maybe went by the wayside? You know, like when I was growing up, writing was one of my strengths. And my dad in particular would keep saying, what a great writer I was, what a great writer I was. And, you know, at that age, you're just like, oh, great, you know, that's fun. And then it just somehow, you know, you go off and do other things. And now I'm like writing almost every day. So, and I enjoy it. And it's a creative outlet and I, I feel like it's a gift. Those are the type of things that a lot of people have had, especially in their early life. And they forget about it. You know, maybe they they used to paint or they used to play a musical instrument or people, you know, or maybe it's, it's all their gifts too. Like people would tell them they're great listeners or it could be a lot of different things that you take for granted or, you know, you, you're just not aware of. So a lot of times we go back to childhood and early years because we're not as filtered and, and you know, we're not as concerned about what other people are going to think when we're that age. You just kind of do what you want to do and what feels good. And why shouldn't we do that when we're adults, you know? Right. Well, you know, and the first thing I think of, right, immediately, like the first word that flashes to my mind is selfish, right? Selfish. And this is the thing that women are like, this is, you're being selfish. If you're processing your own thoughts, you're being selfish. If you take time for yourself. And, and, you know, I hear that little voice, even in the back of my head, even though I've been doing this work for a while, that still shows up. Right. And, and what I'm, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on, but my, my experience has been that the bar for self-care or self-awareness is set so low culturally for women that any amount of pausing and being intentional about our day could feel selfish. And that if we're feeling, you know, we're having the thoughts of, am I being selfish in doing this? We're probably doing it right. Like the bar is so low that if you're never wondering, am I being selfish? You might not be giving yourself enough. Yeah. And, you know, especially when if you have kids, it's like kids model their behavior based on what they see. So do you want your, your kid to grow up stressed out and burned out every day? And <laughs> I mean, it's a great example to set that you're actually making time for yourself. That doesn't mean that you're not making time for others, but it's that whole analogy of like you're on the airplane and like you got to put your oxygen mask on first before you can put it on your, your child. It's, just, it's yeah. the exact same thing. It's like, 
if you don't fill yourself up somehow, you're not going to have anything to give to other people. And so if if that's your priority, if you're trying to be nurturing and, you know, all of that, you've got to start with yourself first. That makes complete sense to me. And I, yeah. yeah. And it's not easy. It takes practice. So I want to say that that. too. Yeah. Because it sounds, because I think that's so interesting. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people are like, well, yeah, it's easy for you to say, you know, but it's not easy and it takes practice, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing for everybody around you. Well, that's just it. I think these acts of daring to pause, to be intentional, to refill our cups are some of the most generous things we can do for other people when, you know, then we're able to show up with a fuller heart or, you know, better headspace or, but I think that you're, you're spot on. And I so appreciate your, your candidness about, and it's not easy. Like I know that carving out moments for myself may be a lifelong practice that requires intention. And sometimes it actually does feel like a fight or a battle you know, within myself or within my calendar to be, oh, you know, my brain goes, no, 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 just skip, skip your, you know, your breakfast is one day, it'll be fine to put the meeting in there, right? I still hear those things. And it's this constant, no, 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 hold on. I really know I need breakfast. Let me see if I can honor that, right? So it's this constant thing, you know, of the irony, I think, is in our culture, it does take work and intention to rest. And that even once we get the moment of rest. I'd love to hear your experience on this. I just want to normalize that for most high achieving women, we're actually not comfortable when we're resting in the beginning either, right? So like we do sit down, but our mind is going a million miles a minute and we're thinking about the 20 things we should be doing or the eight things we wish we did differently. And I just want to normalize that too, that even though we're craving deeply the rest, and even though that sounds so good on paper, even the act of resting takes practice before we find any amount of comfort, especially if that's been an unfamiliar experience. Do you see that crop up with your clients too? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I tell people, I schedule almost everything on my calendar to the point that, you know, a lot of my family laughs at me, like, you know, put the trash out, like, (laughs) just so I don't forget, like tomorrow's trash day or like, you know, give the dogs their monthly, whatever. But in addition to that, it's like you schedule that meditation time in the morning, put it on your calendar, whatever reward feels good to you, like a long hot bath or getting a pedicure, whatever that looks like for you. And don't feel guilty about it It, because again, it's if you wait until the time where your to-do list is completely done and the kids don't need you, your husband doesn't need you, the dogs don't need you, and there's nothing to do around the house, it's just you'll never do anything for yourself if you think about it that way. So you you have to prioritize that just like, you know, exercise or whatever people do to make themselves feel good physically. Right. I keep thinking about if we want to have pockets for joy or for the things we really value, we have to get okay with there being some dishes in the sink, literally or metaphorically. Like that there will be some things waiting that haven't been tended to yet in our calendar, in our kitchen, maybe even in our own hearts. Like there will always be the thing that feels a little messy, especially to the driven or high achieving woman, because we like things organized. We like things clear. And I love how you're talking about leveraging your passion for keeping a good calendar as a tool to help you reclaim your time and your space. Like we love a you know, if you're listening and you love a good Excel spreadsheet, 
how could you leverage that, <laughs> right? To like include in the spreadsheet data on the moments you're getting to eat lunch or the moments you're getting to talk with your friends or whatever it is, right? That, yeah. that fills and that's, yeah. And that's another example when I work with clients to, that are thinking of changing careers, you know, making time for like actually applying for other jobs. So I worked mm-hmm. with a client who, again, mom has a young baby at home, working from home, lots of different things going on. And I said, how are you doing this consistently? Because consistency is key, right? Like being able to, to do it on a regular basis, whether it's exercise, doing something good for yourself, looking for a job, you, you need to find time every, you know, every week or on a regular basis to do that. So she she decided, okay, these are the two days at these times that make sense for me. I'll do it like two hours a week. That's how she kind of got going on a regular on a regular schedule. I love the the practicality of that approach, especially somebody who's busy. She's a mom, right? And she's already got a job and she's wanting to create a new one. The idea that okay, I can do an hour on whatever it is, Tuesday, an hour on Thursday. Mm-hmm. That's what actually fits in my life. That's what's manageable, you know, as opposed to just not doing anything at all because it feels overwhelming. But like, where can I carve out a moment? Like, where is there a pocket where I could fit in this thing that I really care about? And I think, you know, I think it's so easy when there's something that brings us joy or that we're passionate about or that we're interested in, we assume we're going to get to it. And my experience is that that's so rarely the case because everything else feels more urgent. You know, the emails. Yeah, this should do. Yeah, feel more urgent. So this level of intentionality that you're talking about, I think is really powerful in making that shift. I find, and I keep using the calendar as an example, but it could be some other form that works for somebody. But I find that if I put something down on either my calendar, I write it down, I even telling, talking to someone about something you're going to do, you're more likely to do it. It's that accountability. You know, it, it helps to stick with something rather than counting, like you said, counting on the motivation or the, the you know, the, the <laughs> time. Motivation is there. fickle. Yeah, I, I have lost all trust in my motivation level because it is fickle. Some days I'm motivated, some days yeah. I'm not. If I banked on motivation, I'd get nothing done. Exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> So, oh, so here's my question then. What I'm wondering, what does accountability to this dream or desire I have look like right now? For some of us, we can be self-accountable. Getting a calendar out is enough and saying, right, I'm going to every Monday, I'm going to plan 30 minutes to focus on this thing. You know, great. But for those of us, we need, we need accountability from a buddy, from a friend or a coworker or a coach. Ideally, not a yes person, not somebody who's going to say, oh, great job, but somebody who's going to say, hey, how's that thing you're working on going? Yeah. I mean, yeah, ideally, it's going to be somebody that challenges you. So it may feel, again, a little uncomfortable sometimes, but that's what the growth feels like. It's you're getting outside your comfort zone and that's where the growth happens in that uncomfortable state. Talk to me a little bit, if you're willing, Caroline, about, you know, I know this passion that you have for, for mental health and helping people make these corporate escapes, right? Or transition into the next thing that feels right to them. What type of shifts in mental health do you see for people as they begin to live into the thing that they really care about or the next step that they're interested in? Can you give an example or a story about a change in mental well-being that you've seen? Well, the most typical one is just really, you know, this going from this overwhelm and burnout 
state to a state where you feel more in control over your life and your career. Because a lot of times working for someone else, we feel like it's just happening to us. We don't have any control over our work, our job title necessarily, especially now there's all kinds of things going on. So that shift in having, you know, more control, more obviously feeling more fulfilled, feeling like you're doing something that matters that, you know, in some cases you're leaving behind a legacy that you can be proud of and something that to also show your kids and give them an example of like, this is what your career could look like. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a nine to five that, that you're not necessarily happy with. Yes. And well, and I think kids, but also the other women that we know, you know, when I, sometimes it's really hard to live into something we haven't seen modeled before, but when I see another woman set a boundary or follow the interest she's really passionate in, whether it's about a career or not, it's deeply inspiring. It's motivating. It gets you thinking, oh, I could, I could do that too, or I could say that too. And so there's this ripple out effect. It very much is about us as individuals and following our passion, but it's also, you know, the keys we hand to each other, you know, when, when we see one another, you know, lit up by something. Absolutely. Oh, so motivating. You're so inspiring, Carolyn. I'm so thankful that you're, that you're here. Would you be willing to do our two-way Q&A? Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. This is, this is pure fun. Here's my first question. <laughs> if you came with a warning label, what might it say? Oh boy. Uh, that's a really good one. I love that question. <laughs> oh gosh. This one listens a lot and is very sensitive to feelings. <laughs> oh, I can relate to that. I can so relate to that. This yeah. one listens a lot and is very sensitive to feelings. And I have to say, I find that to be a superpower while coaching. Mm-hmm. Right. All yeah. The, the intuitive, yeah. the intuitive side. I encourage, I encourage friends and clients. Everyone has an intuitive part of themselves. Unfortunately, we, a lot of us turn it off, especially the clients I work with that have been in corporate America for so long, they're just kind of in survival mode, mm-hmm. but it's such a powerful tool because um, it's, it's, it's so important to balance the an intellectual with the intuitive side when we're making decisions. And I think that's something a lot of people underestimate. Yeah, I think you're spot on. And why not have that extra resource, right? Intellect is wonderful and powerful. And if we can have an additional resource to help us make our decisions like intuition. So for anybody out there who's ever been told you're too sensitive, you've got a superpower Absolutely, <laughs> in your back pocket. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. So based on our conversation, what's one thing you would love to know from somebody listening? What are you curious about? Gosh, what? What holds you back from doing something good for yourself, you know, or what, what do you need to do to take some time out for yourself today? Both of those are the game changer. Like what holds me back from mm-hmm. doing something good for myself? And then I love the actionableness of, and what does something good for me look like today? Right. Based on what's before me today. We're always thinking about others, which is great. But again, just kind of getting back to the self, it's important to nurture oneself if we're going to share that with other people. So, you know, I had uh, that that phrase, do something good for yourself. I, I 
went to a, a doctor, a female doctor once who actually said that to me. And I still remember it. This was years ago because no one in my life had ever used that phrase with me. And I was like, wow, this is really powerful. And so I like to pass that one on. It's like, do something good for yourself today. If you're listening to this, it's really important. And say it to somebody else, you know, pass it on. Whew, that's so good. I'm going to put that on a post-it note on my computer. <laughs> I felt like she was giving me permission. You know, it was this amazing, just like relief, you know, this feeling of like, oh, okay, now I can do something good for myself. <laughs> But we need to do that for ourselves. You know, you, you shouldn't have to wait for someone to give you permission. Right. Okay. So here's my last question. Even if other people might disagree, what's one thing that you know to be true? That anything is possible. Anything is possible. Like there are no limits to what you can do. And people, I think we impose limits on ourselves or society does or people you know, try to define us in certain ways. But one of my favorite phrases that I like to use in, in my business is like, it's possible. Because that's a question I get asked all the time. Like, do you really think I could find a job that like, I can get excited about? Like, is that possible? I'm like, yes, it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. So just feeling like there's possibilities out there. It's so important. I'm in the middle of Ted Lasso right now. I'm watching Ted Lasso and I, I don't want to give too much away, but I will say, you know, it's, he has a poster that he puts in the locker room. He's a coach and it just says, believe, you know, yeah. believe. And it's just that, you know, what, especially when our minds are telling us all the reasons it won't work out or the reasons exactly. why it might be hard. I think there's something interesting about dear friend of mine, Maria Sawas. She says, um, well, what else could be true here? Like what else could also be true? And your invitation around possibility and the gateways that opens can be enough. We can still hear the fears, the doubts, the worries. And what also could be possible here? Yeah. And yeah, I like the phrase. That. I like the phrase like start small, but dream big. Mm. So you can start with small steps. You know, you don't have to see the whole staircase, just the next step. And that's where people get stuck is like they're looking at that big staircase and they're like, oh, my God. How am I going to climb that? You don't have to just, just take one little step and then another little step. And that's how you get motivation and confidence and you start seeing results. You remind me of, I have a friend who does like proper mountain climbing, the kind where you have to really like hook in and belay and it's dangerous. And, and they say, that's the, that's how you stay alive is you only look for the next hook. Like you don't look at the summit, right? You just go for the next hook. You get your bearings and then the next one. <laughs> That's so funny that you said that because I used to live in Phoenix. I went to school there and I climbed Camelback Mountain with a friend who, thank God, was an experienced climber. <laughs> I had no idea, zero, what I was doing. I was like terrified literally the whole time until we got up to the top. And there was one point, and this is still ingrained in my brain, where I looked up and there are these just boulder after boulder after boulder. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> how <laughs> am I going to get up there? And then I just decided I'm not going to look up anymore. I'm just going to take one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. And it's, that's it. That's exactly it. That's what life is like. 
Oh, Caroline, thank you so much for being here and, <laughs> and making these steps that much more possible. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, golly. Did you hear that question Carolyn asked? What do you need to do to take some time out for yourself today? I hope you'll lean into that question. In fact, take it on over to iTunes and leave a review and put in your answer, your idea for a moment of self-care could inspire another woman in another part of the world and she will be thankful for you. And I'll get to give you a shout out on an upcoming episode when I'm back in the studio recording for next month. Because as always, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value and I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.